Welcome back for episode three of the Cairo Live podcast. We are here with John Lutz, recent grad. How you doing? Not bad, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for doing this. Um, So yeah, we're just going to get started kind of with uh, why you got into chiropractic and yeah, that whole story. You said it's kind of a long, we talked before, you said it's kind of a long story, but go ahead. It's a relatively long story. I uh, went into undergrad not really knowing what I wanted to do, but I knew that university was the next step after high school. Everyone does it. So kind of just went there, took a pre-pharmacy as my first year. Really realized I do not like drugs, so kind of went uh, down a little bit of a different route than that. And then about halfway through my undergrad, I was still just doing my Bachelor of Science, I decided I'm going to try a semester of engineering. And so I did a semester of electrical engineering. Did really well, but realized engineering is becoming a really (laughs) saturated market really fast. And there weren't any girls in engineering, so, you know. uh, Smart man, get out early. Exactly. (laughs) So I made the next step, uh, continued down my biochemistry degree, which was what uh, our undergraduate school called pre-med. And I just heard that was hard, and I was always up for the challenge, so I went with that. Mm -hmm. And then I started going down the route of dental school, thinking, you know, I had spent a lot of years at the orthodontist, a lot of years at the dentist, just, you know, it was kind of something that I thought I would like to do. And then I realized I don't want to spend all day in people's mouths. It's kind of gross. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem that fun. And dentists have one of the highest suicide rates. So is that true? I've heard it. I've heard it. It is very true. Okay. And so I took the DAT, had an interview lined up and everything, did my interview and then just didn't want to take that route. So decided to take the next steps and go a different direction. And then I knew I wanted to be a doctor of some kind because, yeah. like I said, I just liked things that were a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then someone mentioned to me chiropractic, and I thought, you know, like everyone I know is going to PT school or doing things like that, and chiro just seemed a little more hands-on and a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I broke my ankle in the ninth grade playing soccer, I actually went to a PT, and all they told me to do was alphabet writing and then threw me on the stim machine, and I went... This does not seem like a fun job, whereas every Cairo I saw was very engaging. And, you know, I actually had never seen a Cairo before going to Cairo school. I was just going to ask yeah. you that. Okay, yeah. so. Never had seen a Cairo before going to chiropractic school. So it was kind of a different thing. I had shadowed some as I knew I was going to chiropractic school, but never actually had been to one. Hmm. And so I was hesitant the first time I got my neck adjusted mm-hmm. as a patient to an intern, but you know, that's a little bit of a different story. And, uh, I don't blame you first adjustment by an intern. Yeah. So kind of went down that route and I realized I've always been hands-on. Like I like building things. My job in undergrad was basically a heavy duty mechanic for heavy duty machinery. Mm-hmm. And every weekend I'm replacing bearings, shafts, like all these things. And so always been hands-on and just enjoyed yeah. physically doing something rather than sitting at a desk. And so when chiropractic was suggested to me, I looked down that option and kind of haven't looked back since. So it's funny. His story has, you have a lot of like parallels to mine. Like there was a lot of, you know, switching of programs and, yeah. uh, and then it went down to just based off my previous injury experience Yeah. and it took just one injury for me to realize, okay, Cairo is where I want to go. And same yeah. thing, PT was always an option, but then all my friends were doing it and yeah. they were telling me it's hard to get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's shocking that you actually never went to a Cairo before. Yeah, yeah, and it was probably a big thing to sell my parents on that I was going down to do something that I had never really known myself, you know, right. or experienced. But like I said, I worked at a mill and did a lot of like heavy duty mechanic style stuff. And everyone I worked with had been doing that 30, 40, 50 years. And they were all like, oh, yeah, I go see my Cairo every week. And it's just so, keeping okay. them in shape. And so besides the athlete friends that I had that had seen one, all these guys were recommending it too. Right. And so... It's kind of a cool thing and, you know, got to do some work on them since then, which has been fun. But 
Yeah, they always recommended it, and people always seemed way happier to see their chiropractor than their dentist, so I feel like I made a good option in that regard. But. Very true, yeah. very true. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I, th- I wonder if that's a similar story amongst a lot of people. I have a very similar story to that, right? I got hurt. That's how I got into chiropractic, yeah. saw a chiropractor. Um, I just wonder how much of other chiropractors or people have been, this is the second or third option. Like I was a business major, switched yeah. to, mm-hmm. uh, I was ATC, switched to business because business was easier. Yeah. Then I got a master's in sports business and now I'm here yeah. in chiropractic school. So it's like my third thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. It's just interesting that a lot of people, I've, this is not the first time I've heard that story. Maybe so. maybe on our Instagram page we'll throw a poll. Maybe. I, I'd be, definitely. Yeah, I'd, It'd be I'd, interesting. It is. It's kind of one of those things that you don't think about, right? Like, when I was told to go to chiropractic school, I didn't even know chiropractors were doctors. Like, I was like, someone's like, oh, you should try being a chiropractor, the friend that, you know, recommended yeah. it. And I went, no, I kind of want to be a doctor. And they were like, well, <laughs> actually, it is a doctorate program. And I went, oh, oh oops. Okay. Like, right. big whoa. And now people do it to me all the time. Like, oh, you're a doctor? What kind of doctor are you? Well, I'm a chiropractor. And it's like, those are doctors? Like, it's the same thing in return, but I probably deserve it. So... <laughs> So having no experience or any kind of understanding of the field, how did you find Palmer? How did you find Palmer West? So when you go to chiropractic school, you don't have a large selection, especially in Canada. You've yeah. got CMCC, yeah. and you know, that's one. one option. Yeah, And then there's a French school, which I don't fluently speak French. So, that wasn't you know, an option? French was an easy elective in high school, but it wasn't something I tried in. And so uh, take that easy A and roll with it, but can't speak it to save my life. And then, Fair enough. And then so... I started looking at the prestigiousness of schools. That's always been something important to me because yeah. the name on top of the degree is kind of important. Like, So I applied to UWS because it was close up in Portland. Yeah. And then I applied to Life uh, West and then Palmer West. And, well, I'm not going to say anything bad about Life West because that stuff gets said enough. But uh, just heard some things and it was a little bit weird for my taste like don't get me wrong they have a great program and a lot of great docs come out of there too just like uws but uws was four years and i wasn't up for that i figured they don't have housing on campus in really any of these places and so i'm gonna spend as little on housing as possible yeah so of course i chose the bay area cheap housing i was just thinking that yeah Yeah. Yeah. but you know three and a quarter years and i'm obviously going to choose california over portland no offense to portland because it's a fantastic and fun place but the opportunity to live in California was something I wasn't going to turn down and get a little bit of an experience out of going to school as well. Little did I know I'd be studying a lot more than I'd be experiencing, <laughs> but, you know, and so... That's so I, just want, I just want to go back to the CMCC thing. Did you say you applied to CMCC? So I actually did not, not apply to CMCC okay. because I was never a big fan of Toronto, and I Me didn't either. really want to... It was actually... It's more expensive, as Danny definitely knows, to fly across Canada than it is to fly south into the United States yeah. and vice versa going back. So I'd be looking at way more for a flight to go to Toronto and also weather in California significantly better than weather at CMCC. So yeah. while CMCC is a pretty good school, um, Palmer also has a great track record on boards. And right. I can attest to that. I never felt like I had to put in a lot of effort for boards after given the education I got in there, like obviously there's supplemental studying, but taking American and Canadian boards, never having failed apart or even really coming close, I feel like school was 
like perfectly set me up for that part Perfect. as well. And so exactly. that's huge. Yeah. CCPs coming yeah. up and boards for us coming up in a couple yeah. months. That's good to, to yeah. have and in the comfort. CCPs is the reason part fours and part C's of Canadians uh, and Americans, I guess not respectfully, I said that backwards, but still um, were so easy is because CCPs is exactly like those exams. Yeah. A lot more similar to part fours, but still you go into a room and basically do what you do yeah. every day on a daily basis and you just have to be comfortable pretending the examiner is not there right. and you just go in and work on the patient and do what you do as a doctor and so I mean it's what your whole program trains you for but right. I feel like CCP is happening in fifth quarter really had me readily prepared for that so yeah good hopefully we'll be prepared after our shortened version yeah you guys, we'll yeah, you guys are a little bit broken <laughs> and a little late and you know but yeah We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. It'll, It'll be, be okay. fine. It'll be yeah. fine. It'll just be, I mean, personally, we're the only school that does it. Exactly. As as Palmer goes. So yeah. it's like, I understand the value, but yeah. it's also frustrating in a time yeah. like this when For it's sure. like, do we really need to take it? Like, yeah. I, I get the value, but why not just say, hey, this time we're not going to do it or revalue, re- change the way they do it. And they have changed it yeah. drastically, but relook at it at least maybe. I think it was, um, when we were done part fours that we set, well, you get quarantined in a room, right? Which we're all used to now, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so you get stuck in the room and we had Life West students there because Palmer was hosting it and we were just stuck in there for like four hours and they came in and asked us about the exam after and all the Palmer students, he's like, were there any surprises? Did you feel like you had done anything properly to prepare for this or felt like you were ready for this? And all the Palmer students were like, no, I don't have anything to say. Like that was another exam we did it and everyone at life west was like yeah i've never seen anything like this before i had no idea what i was getting myself into and Mm. so this isn't saying bad things about life west but they just didn't prepare them in that board's manner and i think ccps and eighth quarter cce as well it's just a good testament to that you do a lot of practice and you're used to hands-on testing while someone's adamantly watching you like you got dr whitney and dr clark breathing down your spine during these exams you'll never mess up in front of someone you've never met yeah, it's so, a good point. Yeah. I remember those stressful, stressful moments. Um, do you have any? We're gonna kind of transition out of the school talk, but for sure. do you have any tips for current students that might be might be listening? My biggest tip is always question everything. Like, yes. you got to remember, a lot of these teachers have been there a long time, and while I'm thankful for the education I got, it's put a basis on the knowledge that I apply every day, but question everything like if someone tells you something ask why why is it like that why is it like this or how do you know that's still the case like there's some things we're learning at school that are far outdated like the second I had a professor tell me that squatting is bad for your knees I shut myself off that lecture and anyone who wants to disagree with that hit me up I'll we'll talk about it but, uh, I'm on your side on yeah. that too, so we can have a conversation all day. I mean, look that. at every pro yeah. athlete, and yeah. they don't tear their knees because they were squatting. Right. It's completely different activities, and if anything, the eccentric load of a squat builds your knee strength. But you know, yeah. we won't we won't go into that on this one. But uh, so that's why I say question everything. Like in seventh quarter, we get taught that the shoulder doesn't fully abduct when you're internally rotated, but it does when you're externally rotated, and they just say that. And I went, well, why? Like, I want to know why. Because a patient's going to be like, yeah, I can't move my shoulder like this, but I can like this. And you need to be able to explain why. And, you know, that's where the term explain it like I'm five comes into play. So while you learn it, and if you do ask why and the teacher tells you, you need to learn how to explain that to someone who is five, which are your patients sometimes. And you'll get patients who are a lot smarter. But in general, 
you have to dumb things down. And so a big thing with Cairo School is just always asking why mm-hmm. and questioning everything. And while your teachers are going to find it annoying, you're going to get to the bottom of more things. Mm-hmm. And then focus on what's important. And not what the teachers tell you are important, but what's important to you. Like, if you like SOT or you like AK or you want to be a straight Gonstead doc, like, all the power to you. Go do it. Doesn't mean I practice that way. Doesn't mean your best friend's going to practice that way. But go full steam into that. Like, whatever you want to do. And if it's five different things you want to do, learn them all really well. And, you know, like, be good at them and be accurate with them and use scientific method and stuff. And don't preach things that are going to hurt people, but just... Go into it and learn the ins and outs of it, the goods and bads of it, and know how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of people, because clubs exist, and clubs are super beneficial at Palmer, don't get me wrong, but every club's telling you, oh, you gotta come do this, you gotta go do that, you gotta come see this, and that'll lead me into my seminar talk. But yeah, <laughs> it's like, you gotta come see this, you gotta come to our club day today. And, you know, sure, you go to all these diverse clubs, but then at the end of the day, can you put it all together? Yeah, can you and, use it? you know, these clubs partner up and they bring things together and I love that and they're doing a good job like implementing that into your breaks so you're taking away from the brain learning and getting some hands-on stuff but at the same time it's like you need to learn how you're going to apply this and you need to go down something that you're really going to get in depth to. So say you go to like MPI one weekend and you learn how motion palpation adjusts the neck but then you go to Gonstead the next week and they're doing the neck too and you're like, great, I know how to adjust the neck both these ways but what about the thoracic, the lumbar region or you know, you go to R2P and it's Eldoa week and so you're like oh I'm great at Eldoa now but what about simple things like FRC or other complicated things that you didn't learn from not going to the other weeks of R2P and so it's kind of just things like that and like I said all great clubs I visited them all and kind of just chose my path and also used it as an education basis to get into what I wanted to learn and still try to learn all the time so well, so let's continue that a little bit further. Uh, using that as your education basis, did that, you said seminars, did that lead you to any seminars or courses that you wanted to learn further about and kind of help you round out who you are? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so my opinion on seminars is a little different from the common term, I guess you'll hear at school, but I came into Palmer not having a lot of finances to my name, so... While I'm not exactly like poor or anything like that, I didn't have a lot of money to spend on seminars. Like, you know how expensive rent is, how expensive tuition is. And even with that Canadian discount, I was like, that's money I'm going to save. That's not money I'm trying to like spend on extra things, even though, you know, I get that benefit. And so you'll hear at Palmer all the time. And this goes back to clubs saying, you got to go this, you can't miss this. And like, if I had a dollar for every seminar that I couldn't miss, like I could have paid for tuition every quarter. But, you know, that's not how it works. So take the seminars that you want to take and just make sure you research them thoroughly first. And I know that's a probably pretty popular opinion, but everyone at school is telling you to take this, take that, go into this, go into that. Mm-hmm. And some of these are expensive. Like I'm ART certified. And if my work didn't pay for that, I probably wouldn't be ART certified because it's expensive even as a student, like $1,400 a seminar, yeah. $2,400 if you're not a student. So, you know, that's a lot of money. But... I think that there's a lot of free resources out there for a lot of this stuff. And so I do a lot of FRC principles and I'm not supposed to say that because I'm technically not FRC certified, 
but I've researched a lot of FRC, a lot of yeah. SFMA, a lot of LDOA, like things like that that I try to learn from or learn from people who have taken the seminars and I use those resources and return what I know back, which is ART and things like that. Right. And so while I'm not teaching it, I explain to them principles of these and like why they might be interested. But there is so many free resources out there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's kind of illegal to sneak your hands on these books and stuff. But if you get the chance to read them, like take them, even if it's not something you're going to implement in. But it's just chiropractic school was costly and like I was just trying to live and keep as low overhead as possible right and that's how I want to run a practice too right keep overhead down and just let people come in and so while it's smart to invest in your knowledge like you can't spread yourself so thin that you know you go broke because you invested only in your knowledge and my other opinion is how many seminars have you been to where the first week you come those people come back and they're like oh this is what I learned this is what I learned but three weeks later they've forgotten all of it and what do they do they go back to the PowerPoint that they got from the seminar. And so what's the difference between you really learning from that PowerPoint and them? So while they got that initial hands-on instruction, yeah. you still get some of the avenue there. And do I plan to take FRC and SFMA and things like that someday? Sure, I definitely do. But while I can't afford it, especially during a pandemic, I am not going to invest my money in that point. And instead, I'm just going to use the tools that I've been using, aka reading, like looking for stuff online, whether it's legal or illegal, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, like all those sort of things are just really good tools that you have at your disposal and cost you little to nothing. 100% agree. Uh, What are some of those podcasts we talked about before we were on the show, but um, what are some of those podcasts you recommend kind of getting into the strength conditioning and some of those free resources to tie some of this together? Sure. Um, So the first one is RX Radio. I recommend this one to everyone and anyone who likes a strength and conditioning approach, which I think any patient can benefit from it. Karen, my soccer mom, if I can get her squatting even a basic amount of weight, or doing something functional, you know, that relates to her everyday life, like there's still a strength and conditioning principle to apply to that. Mm -hmm. And so they do a lot of that kind of stuff. And they also do a lot of business talk. Um, Jordan and Jordan are both XDC Palmer West students. Mm -hmm. So why would you not want to learn from someone who, you know, came from what we have to running this successful business that's actually not even that Cairo related, but it started because of Cairo and it kind of opens your eyes to more opportunity and also just some of the stuff they talk about is no bs like they'll just literally tell it like it is and you know both very smart guys can't say enough about them haven't even met them myself but (laughs) love the podcast so um, i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan of jordan Uh, so Uh yeah yeah jordan's a great dude i mean he came from playing hockey growing up and stuff back in canada so really relatable for me in that regard too so and then um i like squat university while it's not as in depth because sometimes Jordan and Jordan like it's not going to be stuff you can relay to your patients well like it's a lot of functional anatomy talk and like things that we say every day Mm -hmm. as students or doctors but that you know our patients aren't going to understand so Squat University is a lot more implemented to your layman's terms ways a lot of like dumbed down explain it like I'm five style stuff and while Aaron is like super smart and has so much to apply and he's done a great job with his social media and stuff which is a beautiful thing to learn from too he's really run that social media page up i know people that have no idea about anything fitness and they follow that page so he's done a really good job there so i always recommend instagram is really cool yeah really cool yeah so i recommend that podcast and um while the prehab guys don't have a podcast i like a lot of the stuff they put out yeah their page is really well run where's that Um, it's on instagram instagram okay really good instagram page 
Um, and then uh, I like probably, Pat Davidson as yeah. far as an Instagram oh, page because his is good. no BS. And like even if it's just a phrase, like half the time I agree with it and I share it on my own page because I'm just like, yeah, you tell it. You tell him, Pat. Like yeah, Pat Davidson's good. He's yeah. a smart guy. I like that. Yeah, um, he's just he came from such a smart background and he got into being a practitioner so late. So he has the like bias of I'm a practitioner yeah. completely aside and it all just comes from his knowledge and what he's learned so right. I really appreciate that and then um, Clinic Gym Radio is another good podcast because that one talks a lot about it from a chiropractic perspective and it just mostly interviews chiropractors and so mm-hmm. while all the other podcasts don't really just focus on chiropractic this one talks a lot about chiropractic and its relation to strength and conditioning principles Interesting. and Clinic Gym Radio actually has to do with this program that the guy who hosts the podcast talks about where he gets chiropractic offices and gyms together and so you can like relay the exercises to like practitioners or like trainers and stuff and so that's kind of his whole philosophy behind it but even if you don't want to hop on that philosophy his podcast talks a lot to a lot of great people like Corey Campbell's um, a big MPI guy and most Palmer students would know who he is Mm -hmm. he's one of my favorite seminars I've been to just a great all-around dude and he goes on his podcast and talks a whole bunch and just a nice, easygoing dude to listen to, but has a lot of knowledge to offer. And I feel like he gets a lot of people like that that are in the Cairo world that we don't normally talk to on right. an everyday basis. So. And that was the Clinic Gym Radio. Clinic Gym Radio, cool. yeah. So, That's the first I've heard of that. I'll check yeah. that one out. That's cool. Yeah, I know a few Palmer students that listen to it and we talk about it all the time, but it's great. Yeah, one I just kind of stumbled on because yeah. there's not a lot of Cairo specific ones and yeah. I find that one is very chiropractic specific. Okay. So. Yeah. Cool, I'll so check that one out. Sometimes they kiss chiropractic's butt a little too much for my liking, but, you know, that's just... We don't my, get enough of that at school. That's my unbiased opinion. No, don't you know chiropractic is the cure for everything? Yeah, mm-hmm. all in one adjustment, right? Right, yeah, see one on the right, always. <laughs> so, uh, what happened What happened after graduation? And the reason I ask is because that's the true meat of what I want to get out of this. Sure. Um, being from Canada, yeah. I want to hear your perspective on why you stayed, Okay. what's next, all yeah. that good stuff. So, um, after graduation, it was kind of, you know, uh, getting your license in California is a long process. So anyone who has that knows, I mean, it's just, you wait for your board scores and then you send them in and then the California board has what's considered a hard ethics exam. Like I know someone who failed it 14 times before they got their license. Yeah. Like so 14, wow. 14, One, yes. four. yeah, 14 times and you have to pay every time. Yeah. It's not exactly, it's, you have to actually put in some effort to study for it. But after all that's done, you finally get your license. Mine was like two months after graduation, roughly. And so part of that came because I was Canadian. I had different identification and things like that. Um, So once that started, I started my job with Premier Health Chiropractic in San Francisco. And I just uh, actually did my internship or my preceptorship there in 13th quarter. And they ended up offering me a job. And I was really thankful for it. Like, great benefits, bonuses, like things like that, that I could work towards. It gave me incentive. So Mm -hmm. base pay was a little less, but it gave me incentive. And that's kind of what motivates me anyway. And so we, um, I started working there and then a month later, well, like three weeks later, pandemic hit after I fully got my license. And so, you know, so that's really early into your career. Yeah, it was really early into it. And so I had been working two days a week, just doing front desk stuff and like, you know, kind of helping run the office and learning a lot of that kind of stuff I was doing during my internship. But I got more hands-on during Preceptor because you're allowed to adjust during Preceptor, but you're not in that interim period where you don't have your license. And so I kind of took some time off of that and was just helping out, run the social media page, do a lot of filming for videos Mm -hmm. and things like that, which is great tools for me. But uh, 
yeah, I decided to stay in the States because partially because they offered me that job and partially because I wanted to see, you know, how things work down here, learn the insurance game. Mm -hmm. And a big thing for me was if you can run a business in San Francisco where our monthly rent for a pretty small space is $8,800 a month in the financial district, you can probably learn how to keep an overhead lower and run a practice anywhere else. Right. And especially now that COVID hit, and that's something I really learned from, is that nobody's going to the financial district anymore because nobody has to go to work. Like Uber's closed, Google's closed. Like all the big companies that were right around our office and big suppliers for patients are closed. Mm -hmm. You had to find new creative ways to bring in patients. So I was in a gym, like marketing myself there, bringing in patients, you know, like talking to the trainers, things like that, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, just learning how to market myself, which is great tools I'm going to have moving forward and learning just how to socialize people and take no for an answer from these big companies. Like you're talking to top people of big gyms or like I've met the Uber vice president and people like that and just saying, Hey, like we're talking about possibly getting licenses to do on-site work at your your office and your new location. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about that? And at first it's a no, but you keep beating down that door and you're going to get somewhere. And yeah. it's learning to not give up, that kind of thing. So I've learned a lot of experience in that regard, but I think I haven't got as much hands-on experience initially as I would have liked because the pandemic hit. And so uh, I did three full weeks of work before the pandemic hit and we had to cut it off and I had we lost all of our front desk staff because we couldn't keep right. them on payroll anymore. Right. And I was working two days a week again, back to what I was doing January and February. And so I was basically front desk staff. And whenever I had a patient come in, um, I saw them. And then I went back to doing front desk staff. Right. So I know the ins and outs of insurance, like running books, you know, filing claims, whatever yeah. it might be, working EHR, doing audits, all that sort of stuff. Like basically anything there is about running an office, I feel like I've kind of learned now. And anything I don't, or didn't know, I was able to ask questions to the two guys that own the business and can't say enough like good things about them for helping me and like putting up with me, keeping me here that long. And so, yeah, that's part of why I stayed was to get all that knowledge, whether it was practical, but chiropractic school as anybody who's graduated knows gives you no business sense. Exactly. Like literally nothing. And I came out, you know, they have business classes, which they think help. But if I have to rebuild my resume in three different classes, like explain to me how that's going to help three different classes in the last year, the last year, they're just keeping you there to make money off you. There is no (laughs) benefit to those classes whatsoever. So wait, wait, um, they make you rebuild the same resume three times. Yeah. So I had to turn in my resume as a project for three different classes in my last nine months of school, not even my last year, my last nine months. And I thought anybody who has a job in the past has has their resume continually updated and make sure it looks good. And you know, there's so many like easy resume building programs. Like, why are you wasting time on this? And then we have classes like how to build a PowerPoint. And it's like, nobody uses PowerPoint stuff anymore. Like everyone's going off videos, like things like that. And so the only useful class really in the last year is Dr. Skalski's like media class. That class teaches you how to like take a good headshot and right. you know, for people who haven't gone into media yeah. or like, you know, making a logo and things like that, it teaches you how to do it yourself. And like the Adobe subscription plan is super affordable. Like if that's the route you want to take, like yeah. I have it cause I have a side hobby of photography and it's just coming useful, like for everything I do, filming yeah. videos Heck and yeah. like dubbing over them, editing them, like 
all that stuff just comes in handy. So yeah. that class was a great basis for, you know, half my classmates didn't know how to use it. So they're like, hey, take my portrait. Hey, do this. But, you know, it's really easy things you can learn how to do. And he does a good job teaching all that stuff. So is that the class you took a video of me and said? No yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Danny everybody was, saw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Danny was my uh, prime candidate for it, talking about how he liked Palmer and things like that. Yeah, hey, he got me the A, that's yep. all that matters. He promised yeah. nobody would see it. Yeah. And his whole class saw it. And I think... No, only Dr. Skalski saw it and no. my partner saw it. Oh, yeah. like, so it was Get three right. people plus you're Dr. Skalski. Yeah, so. you're fine. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. Well, I knew that there was no business uh, education. Being a part of PCVD, I'm trying to change that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to divert the conversation too much. Um, being, how do I, let's see... Well, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you stayed here after after school. Yeah. So what was that process like? So when you're getting close to graduation, you can file for what's called an OPT. Mm-hmm. I actually don't really know what it stands for. It's placement something. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't important to me. What I wanted to know was how do I get to stay for just a year. Right. And to me, I like being in Canada so there wasn't much longer than that I stayed for that education like I was saying to learn more and learn to run a business in San Francisco which is really expensive right and so you apply through what's at our school Michael Crump but any administrator at whatever school you may be at and ask them you know how to get your OPT and that's your one-year extension basically of your student visa and so mine is good till January 13th 2021 right um, and you have to go through a process of applying for this. You have to make sure it's not too early because if it's too early before your graduation, they won't approve you. If it's too late, you start too far out of your graduation window to keep that F1 visa alive. And so you get this little card that's like comes with your F1 visa that says you have work and you have to be like lined up for a job and everything and have that all in order okay. to make this actually uh, applicable but um i've had no trouble coming across the border because of it like even through covid and stuff moving across the border hasn't been a big deal because i am employed and i pay into the tax system and things like that and so that hasn't been a big problem but it was a pretty easy process if it's done right a couple of my classmates filed for theirs too early and were rejected Mm -hmm. and so had to file again but you can't file again until your rejection is complete Uh and so he ended up getting his a lot later and so his goes till later, but it kind of like threw him off for starting work and things like that. So, yeah. And okay. then um, I just didn't want to continue staying after this year because filing for a green card can get really expensive. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like a lot of hoops to jump through when I know I can, you know, I want to get started in Canada at some point anyway right. and move back closer to home. So. Right. so do you now, you mentioned that you're getting going back to Canada. Yeah. Do you have to let the states know that you're leaving or does it just kind of run out with so that, that OPT? It kind of, I'll probably just let it run out. Let it run out. That's kind of what you do, but uh, I won't have a job lined up with it anymore. Like I'm removing that part from my profile. Gotcha. Um, and I'm not getting my F1 signed to like return to the states. So it's kind um, of just, it's just kind of like it ends and they'll probably email me or like mail me if I want to renew it. And I'm just going to say no, because you can't really renew it as an OPT. You only get one year as a Canadian right. and, um, immigrating to the United States like permanently is really difficult and you have to forfeit Canadian citizenship if you want to be a citizen here which is just not something I was ever up for doing so yeah yeah. I don't blame you um so what are your plans now when you get back home what's next so I'm actually cutting my time in the states short 
and in a week and a half, I'll be moving back to Canada, to my hometown. I have to self-isolate for two weeks, so that's when I'm going to work on more of my opportunities and licenship or licensure in Canada and, you know, uh, possibly applying for a business license and thinking, you know, nice. about that possible route. Nice. But uh, there's a few opportunities that have presented themselves in Vancouver as well, mm-hmm. in the lower mainland area that I might take up instead. Um, so we'll see. I'm really just going to weigh what seems like the best fit for me because whatever's next is going to be a long-term thing. I knew coming okay. into this year it was a one-year thing. Yeah. And my docs knew that, that I was working with, and they just, you know this is going to be long-term for me, something right. that's going to be three to five years to really either solidify in. And if it's my own practice, it's going to be hopefully longer. Yeah. And right. so that's yeah. really the plan. I haven't even fully looked in my hometown of Kelowna yet for what possible opportunities I want to take, but I'll do that when I get back there. Just, you know, yeah. I kind of need some me time. The whole pandemic's been Don't kind of stressful. Me. So I'm going to do a lot of like just reading and self-education every day, but it's going to be you know, a little bit of time also get back with family since it's been so long yeah, and that's you know, good. that sort of thing. But that's good though. You yeah. sound like you're at peace with the decision yeah. and, and what's going on. So that's good. Yeah. It's that's been good. tough at first. Yeah. I mean, like saying goodbye to a lot of things here and oh, yeah. I've been trying to live a lot of the life that you live here while <laughs> the pandemic's going on, you know, so that's a lot of yeah. experiencing outdoors and trying to, you know, stay socially distant and wear a mask and do all that stuff. But you know, trying to get the last of, you know, because I wanted a lot out of this year besides just working, you know, experiencing. While in Palmer, you didn't get a lot of that experience. You're so busy all the time, whereas I was like, oh, I'm just going to work, and then I have weekends to not study, and this is going to be great. And then, yeah, you know, this kind of happened and (laughs) ended up getting stuck inside a lot more than I wanted to. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's nice to go back and just kind of get back to the life I remember before with the new grown-up, more adult version of me. So, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, I'm happy for you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks, man. Same here. Yeah. It's good to see you doing well, and thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for joining us thanks for this for conversation. Having you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll good luck. D- yeah. Danny and I will be back for episode four.